you excited to be in the house of God tonight? Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Uh, I just want to begin by saying a big thank you to the leadership of the church. Uh, Pastor Derek, Pastor Jim, Pastor Alec. In fact, all who are making, God is using to make things happen. Thanking them for this great and unique opportunity. People, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Any community, anybody without a pastor is like you are under a curse. We are blessed to have people who are caring for us. Amen? Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we just come before you tonight. We ask that you will move in power. We pray that you will speak into our hearts. May you increase tonight that we will decrease. May you be seen, may you be heard. May you do a work in the life of your people that only you can do. We open up our hearts to you, dear Holy Spirit. Touch us tonight. Visit us tonight. Lord, I was just thinking that some people will be having late dinner tonight because they just want to be in your presence. They have let go so many things and they have come here. Not just to socialize, but because they need your touch. I pray tonight that no one will leave this place the same. You are real Holy Spirit. Manifest your power into our lives. Bless us and speak to us. To you be praised. And let God's people shout, Amen. Amen. Uh, we are in the book of Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We will be considering about three verses. This evening. Uh, we just want to say if you need a Bible, please, we have Bible in abundance in this church because we are a Bible believing church. If you need a Bible, can you please just raise up your hand? Some wonderful people will come get some to you. Thank you. Unless I forget, I really want to say thank you to the choir. Uh, they praised him. Amen? Amen. It's, I don't know if you were feeling it, but I was like, why should they stop? <laughs> it's just that we have programmed everything, that we have to listen to the word of God. But they were taking us deeper. I just want to say the Lord bless you. 
And may God continue to increase his anointing upon your life. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 8 to 11. For God is my weakness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Jesus of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Amen? Amen. We started this series uh, last week in the book of Philippians, and I was so blessed. And my expectation for what God is about to do is increasing every day. Tonight, we just want to take a step further to look into the prayer that Paul prayed for the Philippian church. It was a gospel-centered prayer. The prayer that he prayed for the Philippian church. I want you to understand that prayer was a big part of Paul's ministry. If you look at most of the letters that Paul wrote, he would always pray for the people. When he started with his normal way of greeting the people, introducing himself always as a servant or as a slave of the Lord Jesus, Paul would always speak a blessing over the people. Paul would always say a prayer over the people. And the Philippian church was no exception because they were so dear to the heart of the Apostle Paul. Unlike in most of the epistles or the letters that when you see the Apostle Paul write to the churches, he will write to fix a problem. And I tell you some of the tone of his writing is very hard because of what was going on in those churches. But for this church, it was such a friendly letter. It was such a wonderful letter to them. I was just thinking that most pastors would desire to pastor a church like the Church of Philippians because of their commitment to the Lord, their partnership in serving God. The Philippian church was an awesome church. And when Paul greeted them, when Paul gave his salutation and made some declarations over their life, Paul came to verse 9 and said, This is my prayer for you. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that each time you see prayers in Scripture, it is something that you can relate to. What most of the prayers written in scripture, it carries a message. Most of the prayers written in scripture express the desire, the passion, the vision, the heart, and the value of that person. 
And I want to say some of the prayers that you and I will pray. We can quickly know our hearts. We can quickly determine or discern what our heart goes after. You can understand the values of certain people from their prayers. When you analyze the content of their prayers, you will know where their heart is. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so from the abundance of the heart of the Apostle Paul, he was speaking, praying to God concerning the church in Philippines. When you pray, it expresses your desire. Let me say something. I have a uh, four-year-old daughter, and we always have a prayer time, and one faithful Saturday in the morning, I gave a prayer point. I said, we are believing God for, for a house. Let's pray that God should bless us with a house. And for some reason, I had to listen to what she was saying. I was also praying, but for some reason, I had to listen. And this was my four years old girl. Dear Lord Jesus, you know how much I love swimming. Can you please give us a house with a pole? <laughs> you know that type of, you are in prayer, but I had to pause. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but guess what? Her prayer was expressing her desire. That was what was in the inside of her. Prayer expressed her desires. If you look in scripture, prayer also tells us some of the things that God is about to do. When God is about to do a work in the life of an individual, in a community, in a church, even in a city or in a nation, he will raise people to start to pray. Because somebody once said that God cannot do anything on earth but to respond to our prayers. So when God is about to do something, he will burden the heart of his people to pray. That is why I don't take it lightly. When God burdened the heart of the leadership of this church, that we shall be known as awakening church. It's because God is about to do an awakening. When we started praying that scripture in the book of Philippians, in the book of Ephesians, that awake, O sleeper, I knew in the inside of me that the Lord is about to do something in the church. The Lord is about to do something in the city. The Lord is about to do something in the nation that will affect the world. When God is about to do a work, he will burden the heart of people to pray. And God was about to do something. And God was doing something. In the life of the church in Philippi, and he burdened the heart of the Apostle Paul to pray this prayer over their lives. You can know the will of God even through the prayer that people pray. A lot of scriptures are just coming into my mind. Time will fail us. Let's talk about Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah, a woman 
that was barren. And what amazed me in this scripture is that the Bible says it was the Lord that shut up her womb. I didn't write that. It was the Lord that shut up her womb. By implication, it was God preserving that womb. God was preparing her for something. And one day in 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 10 and 11, Hannah went into the temple and she began praying. She began pouring her heart to God. Scripture says, the prophet Eli thought she was drunk. I don't want to go into that tonight. But the prophet, the man of God, the keeper of the house, thought that Hannah was drunk. No, God was about to do something. And God burdened the heart of this lady to pray a prayer. And she made a vow before God. People may think that it was just the desire of Hannah. It was something beyond that. God burdened her heart to pray a prayer. God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. No razor will ever pass over his hair. His hair will not be cut off by implication. The boy Samuel was consecrated before he was born. Because God was preparing a prophet, a judge, and a priest. When God is about to do something, he will stir up the heart of the people to pray. What is God stirring in your heart? What is that thing that God has burdened your heart with? I want you to know that God is about to do something. Say a better amen. My preaching is better than your amen. Say a stronger amen. The book of Galatians says, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. But when you look in the book of Luke, there were two people that God burdened their heart. God stirred their heart to pray. And this was Simeon and Hannah. Anna. They were waiting on God and praying. When you look at prayers in scriptures, don't just take it to be ordinary. When you look at prayers in scripture, I want you to know that God is also conveying a message to you. Another key thing I want you to know about praying. Praying to God is more than just a set of rules. When we say we are praying to God, we are saying we are giving the Holy Spirit the permission to work in our lives. People of God, Christianity has been transformed to be another thing nowadays. A lot of people are making it a set of rules of do's and don'ts. But I want you to know that it is beyond that. 
It is the working of God in your life, through your life. When you go to pray, it's not just a matter of you want to take it off your chest. Because this is the level and experience some of us we have that I feel better. I have taken that thing off my chest. It is awesome. But I want you to know that as you engage in prayer, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your life that is beyond human comprehension. The Holy Spirit is working. He is transforming your life. That is why when we come to church, don't despise what God is doing. The Spirit of God is at work. The Spirit of God is breaking chains. The Spirit of God is setting people free. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing. When we pray, when we seek God, for Paul to tell the church in in Philippi that this is my prayer for you. This is what the Holy Spirit will be doing in your life. Don't get me wrong, people of God, that we have a lot of self-help books that help us on how to become better people. I am attending the men's conference, and it is a wonderful time. As some of the men here who are attending that conference, it's not too late, you can join. The Lord is just dealing with our lives. But some of the things is just helping us to become better husbands. They are giving us secret. How can you become a better husband? And I tell you the truth, I've bought some books because I am praying to become a better husband to the young lady that way. I am trusting God that my level will increase. I will become a better husband. But as I'm reading that book, I am praying every day, oh God, help me to become better. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He is doing wonderful works in my life. He is transforming me beyond just reading books. When you pray, that is what happened. Hallelujah. And the Apostle Paul said, this is my prayer for you. Now I want us to unpack the content of the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. The Apostle Paul begins in verse 8. To pray. That I pray. Oh, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow, may abound more and more. I pray. The first thing that the Apostle Paul mentioned, his desire, which I believe that was God's plan, that was God's heartbeat, for that church, was that their love should grow. Their love should increase. 
it should overflow. It should abound more and more. I thank God for what he is doing in your life, what he is doing in the church. But I want to say, people of God, we need more of him. We need more of God. There was that hunger in his life. That how I pray that this church will grow in love. Why love? A sister started reading a scripture here tonight about love. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I know what you are doing. You are so good in doing that. The book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And anyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, because God is word, love. That your love may grow. For love to grow, it means you've got to have love. You can't talk of something growing when it is not there. It is not possible for love to grow in your heart when that love is not there. Let me refresh your mind a little bit about this church in Philippians. How did this church start? When Paul had a vision in the book of Philippians chapter 16 from verse 6. When Paul had a vision and God spoke to him through somebody in a dream that come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul knew in his heart that the Lord was sending them to go and preach his word, to go and spread his love in that land. And immediately they went. I want to say, brethren, there is something about God speaking to you. When God speaks to your heart, there is something about prompt obedience. The moment you start shifting it, the devil will come in. Scripture says he knew and immediately they left. They went there. Who was the first person they encountered? It was a great businesswoman by name Lydia. Even though Lydia was rich, but she did not have the love of God in her heart. Even though Lydia was a popular woman, she did not know God. The love of God was not in her heart. She was still bound by her own ways and the power of sin. But when she heard about the love of Jesus, when she heard that greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for you, she opened her heart to Jesus. That was the beginning. Paul said, let your love grow because that love was born. It's the love of God in your heart. Another person mentioned that I believe was part of that church was one slave girl that was operating in the spirit of divination. This girl was using supernatural powers to do things. And when she saw Paul and his companion, 
She started saying, these are the men of God who have come to show us the way of the Lord. Was that true? Answer me, church. Was that true? Because something is true, it doesn't mean it's from God. Because something might be true, it's not a guarantee that it is from God. We need to go to the source. Paul knew that the source of this inspiration, even though what she has said is true, but it's not from God. You might be successful, but that success is not from God. God wants to be the source of your success. Tonight, maybe you are listening to me and your life is somehow going south. And maybe you don't have the love of God. You try to be good, but you can't be good. There is a Jesus that can bring real love into your heart. Greater love has no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. Another man that we find in that church was the jailer taking care of Paul and Silas in prison. Even though that man was making sure that they remained in chains, he knew that he was also in a prison. The greatest prison is not the prison that we catch those bad boys and we put them there. The greatest prison is the prison of sin. The greatest prison is the prison of a conscience that is troubling you. The greatest prison is that prison that the good thing you want to do, you cannot do. But the evil that you hate, you find yourself doing it. The greatest prison is the prison of sin. Listen, sin can destroy. Sin can frustrate a man. Sin can reduce you to a loaf of bread. Sin can take away your vision, your destiny, and your future. Sin can frustrate. Even though this man was occupying a good position, he was doing something for his government, yet he was bound. But when he saw God, he saw that though Paul and Silas, they were locked in that prison, but there was something different in the inside of them. They were in chains, but the joy of God was not in chains. They were bound, but the peace of God in their life wasn't bound. Let me tell you this, your physical condition is not what defines you, it's what is in the inside of you. They were bound, but there was a Jesus. And when this man saw the move of God, when this man saw what Jesus has done in their life, that there is something different in these people. They don't have the type of freedom that I have, but they are free in their spirit. They can worship God. He said, what can I do to be saved? Could that be a question in your heart this night? That you have struggled so much by yourself. You are in the prison of sin. And you are saying, what can you do to be saved? The answer is this. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That is how this church started. And when Paul said, 
I pray that you will grow in your love for Christ. I pray that you will increase. You will abound in your love more and more. It's because Jesus started a good work in their lives. And Paul went further to say this. The joy of the Lord should be in their lives. He said their love should abound more and more. He went further to say, your, joy, your love should increase. Number one, he made mention that this joy, this love should grow in knowledge. That personal knowledge of God. This joy should grow in discernment. The knowledge that Paul was talking about, that their love should grow in. It wasn't just that mental capacity of getting information. It was beyond that. All that is good. But he was talking about that experiential knowledge. That encounter that you come with God. People of God, it is simple for you to pray this prayer. Personally, God increase your love in my life for your knowledge. It is beyond you just reading something about God. It is God revealing himself to you. It is you having an experience with God. And when you come before the Lord in prayer, the Lord will reveal himself to you. Hallelujah. He said they should grow in their discernment of this love. The ability to make practical decisions in so many things in life. I want to say it's the love of God that will help you to make the right decision. We live in a world that we are constantly in a crossroad. We don't know which direction to take. We are being faced with a lot of choices to make. We need to discern. And when you grow in your love for Christ, God will help you. Hallelujah. And when you grow in your knowledge and in discernment, the next thing he said is that you will be able to approve that which is excellent. You will be able to approve that which is excellent. You will be pure, you will be blameless, or you will be sincere. Now I want you to understand two things about the prayer that Paul prayed. The prayer that Paul prayed, it had what I will call immediate goal and the ultimate goal. Somebody say immediate goal. Immediate goal. Ultimate goal. Paul was concerned about their relationship one with another. Paul was concerned how they treat each other. Paul was concerned how they love one another. Remember that this issue of loving one another is so great. That Jesus said, when you love one another, by this people will know that you are my disciple indeed. Love is the only mark that distinguishes us from the world. Love is the only thing that will put you beyond any other thing. When you love one another, Paul was concerned about their immediate life, their relationship one with another. He was concerned how they are serving God. When you look 
at the content of this prayer. He was concerned how they relate one with each other. He said, pray that you will grow in love. And it is my prayer that you will look at your life. You will ask yourself, am I growing in loving one another? Am I growing in loving my spouse? Am I growing in loving my brothers and my sisters? Am I growing in loving my neighbor? When you love your neighbor, you will not close your mouth. You will tell them about the love of Jesus. When you love your co-workers, you will not close your mouth. You will not help it. You will tell them what Jesus has done for you. When you love each other, you will spread the gospel of Jesus. When you love God, you will live for God. He was concerned about their immediate life, their life on earth. The next thing was that Paul had an ultimate goal. Paul had a goal for them at the end of their life. And that goal, it was for them to see Jesus. I thought people would say amen to that. He had an ultimate goal that they would be blameless at the appearance of Jesus. He was concerned about them living a life that is praiseworthy, a life that Jesus would be pleased. He told the church that as you grow in love, in your knowledge and in discernment, as you know how to prove the things that are excellent. He told them that as you remain blameless until the day of the coming of the Lord. Listen, church, this is one thing that is missing in our lives. A lot of us, we don't live with eternity in mind. A lot of us, we live as if everything will end here. No, there is a yonder. We live as if it is just about now. No, there is an afterlife. There is eternity that you will stand before God. And I want to say, as your love grows, the Lord shall reward you. He was concerned about the ultimate goal. You can never become heavenly conscious and become early useless. It, has, it is an impossibility for you to be heavenly conscious and you are early useless. People of God, sooner than later, if he will not come, we will go. I can't tell you the number of people I lost count that I have sat and prayed over them. People in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, that they have just faced their own eternity. Paul was concerned about eternity. In his prayer, he was concerned about eternity. He wanted these people to be blameless before the Lord. 
to be without spot and without wrinkles. And that is the church that Jesus is preparing. I want to say this. Your prayer should not be void of you praying, Oh God, prepare me for eternity. Beloved, one day it will happen. Paul brought this in his prayers so that they would be conscious of eternity. There was the immediate goal. What they should achieve, how they should live on this earth. And there was the ultimate goal. One day you and I, we shall stand before the Lord. We will give an account of our lives. And there are issues in our lives that we need to go to the Lord and say, God, deal with these issues. Because the Bible says, follow peace and holiness with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord. Hey, how do you sleep with all comfort when you consciously, deliberately hurt people? Eternity may soon begin for you. Are you living with that consciousness? The Bible says, let your garment be white and let your head lack no oil. When Paul said that they should be blameless without spot, he was making reference of you taking a garment and exposing it to the sun. And when the sun shines on it, it will prove if there is any spot. And people of God, one of the benefits of waiting on God for the Holy Spirit to move in your life is that when the Holy Spirit starts to move, he will expose things in your life that you did not even know they were there. A certain man was a missionary. He went and preached to one community missionaries, their lives are not very pleasant, especially when they go to, like, the third world country. I come from Africa. At times, the life in certain places is not that good. But some missionaries come there. They let go their pleasure, and they come there. So this man came and spent several years preaching the gospel, telling people about the kingdom of God, telling people about the love of God. It was time for him to come home. He did not take a plane. He took by the ship. And as the ship was sailing close to the shore where they had to come up, he saw a group of people. And this man was so excited in his heart that finally my home church has come to receive me. My home church has recognized the great work that I have done. He was so excited. But this preacher, this great servant of God, did not know that in that same ship, there was a superstar, there was a musician. 
that has come and was coming to the city and people came to receive him. When this man stepped out of the ship, he looked not even a single member. This can never be awakened. I know that. <laughs> not even a single member of their church was there. This man was discouraged. This man was broken. Listen, discouragement can step in when you don't have, you are not conscious of heaven. Discouragement can come in when you think it ends here. Discouragement can come in when you think your reward is here. As this man was discouraged, he took his little luggage. Reluctantly, he was going to where I don't know. He heard the Spirit of God spoke to him. Son, you are not home yet. Son, you are not home yet. Church, I know we love God and we have been serving God we desire our love to grow. If there are things you are not seeing now, I've come to tell you tonight, you are not home yet. There is eternity. When we shall appear before him blameless, he shall reward us. I long for these words, welcome, good, and faithful servant. But as long as you are on this earth, don't expect to hear those words. Live in eternity in view because your reward is with him that has called you. Today we will ask you to give money for that. Give money for this. Oh, this has happened to this city. Come and support. Come and do this. And there are moments that you can get so tired. Pray the prayer of Apostle Paul to the Philippians. God, cause my love to grow. Let me not get weary in doing good because in due time, you shall reward me. Hallelujah. The final thing about Paul's prayer was that all should be for the praise and the glory of God. As you serve the Lord, as you sacrifice for the Lord, out of love, let it be for the glory of God. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that whatever you do, my brothers and sisters, do it as on to the Lord. Let it be for the glory of God. You may want to ask yourself this evening, that the life I live, is it unto the glory of God? Does it praise God? Does it give honor and glory to God? The things I do, does it give glory to God? The Apostle Paul concluded, that church, let it be to the glory of God. Let God take the glory. 
Oh, may we come to the place where John the Baptist came. When Jesus came on scene, John the Baptist said he must increase. Why I decrease? Let it be for the glory of God. Church, you might be loving and doing those things. Nobody might be seeing you. But I want you to know the Lord is seeing you. He shall reward you richly. Let it be for the glory of God. You can make this prayer yours. You can ask God, let my love for you, let my love for one another increase. I want to love in a crazy manner. I want to love in a way that I have never loved before. I want to interact with the people who don't really look like me. I want to go out of my way so that people will be blessed. Let your love increase. Not that love that you love because you want something. It is that selfless love. That love that demands for no reward. Because that love knows that God is the greatest rewarder. In a moment we will pray. And I want to ask you this question. Is the love of God in your heart? Or do you have a deficiency in your system, in your spirit, that when heaven looks at it, they say this person is suffering from love deficiency? Don't you think you need to ask God to give you more vitamin of love? Could it be that you are here and believe me, you have no real relationship with Jesus? You have lived your life blaming people. I am like this because of this. Uh, I am a bad husband because I never have a father. There is a Jesus that wants to become your father. I don't really know how to love because nobody has really loved me. There is a Jesus that loved you so much and gave his life for you. Tonight can be the beginning of something in your life. Paul was talking to this church that they should pray that their love should increase. It should grow. But maybe your own prayer tonight is that Lord started with me. Bring love in my heart because Jesus is love.